0: This is Ringler Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about structured settlements from Ringler Associates, the first name in structured settlements, helping injured people and their families since 1975. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by Allstate, American General, John Hancock, Liberty Mutual, MetLife, Mutual of Omaha, New York Life, Pacific Life, and Prudential. Now join Ringler Radio host Larry Cohen.
1: Well, hello and welcome to Ringler Radio, everyone. I'm Larry Cohen, head of Ringler Associates Northeast Operations, and we're certainly glad you could join us today. Well, dog bite injury cases are becoming more and more common, and certain breeds can cause serious injuries, leaving uh, physical and emotional scars on their victims. So today we're going to be focusing on a case from East Providence, Rhode Island, where despite several obstacles in the case, the family of an injured child was able to receive a sizable settlement. This specific dog bite injury case occurred during a family visit where a dog with no prior history of bites leapt over an indoor barrier and bit a small child on the face. Today on Ringler Radio, we're going to take a look at the case specifically and uh, dog bite cases in general and how these uh, traumatic incidents can hopefully be prevented. And joining me today to help is my co-host, and Ringler colleague Brenda McGregor. Brenda is executive assistant to the national sales team of Ringler Associates. She's been involved in structures since 1989. And in her career, Brenda has assisted in the settlement of thousands of claims and is a recognized authority on Structure Settlement Administration. So, uh, Brenda, welcome to Ringler Radio.
2: Thanks, Larry. I appreciate being here.
1: Well, thanks for being my co-host. And our guest today is attorney Robin Gouveia from the firm Oliveira & Associates. Oliveira has 14 offices, all of them in Massachusetts and Rhode Island. Robin's entire legal career has involved personal injury, including quite a few of these dog bites. And since joining the firm in 2011, uh, Robin has been exclusively practicing personal injury and disability law. So, uh, Robin, welcome to Ringler Radio. Glad to have you.
3: Thank you very much. Glad to be here.
1: Well, Robin, why don't we begin by uh, talking about some of the dog bite injuries you've seen in your practice and the seriousness of those injuries uh, that ensued tell us about that
3: well I, you know I've handled so many different types of dog bite cases over the years that I've been practicing I've been practicing for 15 years now um, you know, I've had cases that were you know a small tiny little bite on the lower leg I've had cases where it's an attack type incident where there's puncture wounds there's lacerations from the teeth and the claws I've had you know, these little snap bite Um, cases where, you know, it's a a, a tiny little snap on the face, the hands, the torso, the arms. I've had cases with uh, big dogs, small dogs. I've also had cases where it's the owner is the one holding the dog or walking the dog or with the dog. I've had cases where it's a friend, the dog owner's friend has the dog. Mm. We've also had cases very recently. There was a recent case in Massachusetts where Uh, The owner of the dog didn't have any insurance, and we've been able to go after a landlord so long as the landlord knew that this dog had some dangerous propensity. So there's all different kinds of dog bite cases that you can handle.
1: Yeah, and it seems to be a lot of them as well. Uh, And one of the things I've seen from time to time are children... Not really meaning to, in some instances, taunting dogs, and and there's a, there's a relationship between kids and dogs that's a little bit complicated. I know, but uh, I'm sure you've run into that as well.
3: There, there definitely is. I mean, I've had a lot of um, kids bitten by dogs. Rhode Island laws are very different than Massachusetts laws. You have to know the difference in the in the two 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 states because there are so real big distinguishes.
1: Well, I think um, we'll, we'll get yeah. and we'll get into that in a little bit. But uh, sure. a, as you said. Uh, you know, your experience in this uh, arena is uh, is broad and it's deep and it's, it's long, so it's uh, terrific that uh, we're going to have you here on the show.
2: Right, right. Robin, we spoke a little bit about the case in the beginning. Can you give us a little more detail or an
3: overview of this
2: particular case?
3: Yeah, absolutely. This was a very young child. He was at his grandmother's house with his, with his parents, and the grandmother, this dog was not owned by the grandmother. That was a very important fact in this case. Mm -hmm. Her friend had dropped the dog off there. She was just going to take care of the dog for a couple of hours. They had it barricaded in the kitchen, and the child was being held by the the parent, and he wanted to pet the dog, so he leaned over the barricade to pet the dog, and the dog just jumped up and, and really just latched onto his face, on his chin area. You know, he had pretty extensive scarring on on his chin and he you know fortunately quite honestly the the dog was up to date on his shots so he didn't have to go through the rabies vaccination but it, it was it was pretty significant
1: well you you mentioned being bitten on the face i mean that's probably the the worst place anyone can be bitten by a dog that's a scary thing for the child to endure it, and it must have complicated the uh, med- medical extent of the injury it's it's never easy with sc- trying to fix scars on a face was this a little boy did you say
3: it was a little boy, yes, yeah. uh, and he was, at the time, he was four.
1: Okay, yeah, and uh, you know, and obviously, uh, there seems to be a, a societal issue that scars on little boys may not be quite as difficult as scars on girls, but uh, it's still very traumatic. How did that complicate the process?
3: Well, it, it, any scarring or any bite is complicated by not only the emotion that becomes involved, but... Just the fear of not knowing what this scar is going to look like a year from now, two years from now, or fifteen years from now, especially when it's a young child, when you say that you know scars on little boys are worth less than scars on little girls, in fact actually children's scars you don't have as much of a distinguishment because children are so adorable and cute yeah. that any scar on a young child it it's got it's, it quite honestly and to be blunt it's got some value.
2: Yeah. when they hit
3: the the more the the, the older ages the the mid teens and and adults then you come into the you know the women's scars are worth more than men's scars
1: It's
0: but this
3: child was absolutely adorable and the scar itself was so prominent and it and it had some swelling and some edema and it it, it was it was pretty um it was pretty bizarre, noticeable
1: what about the emotional trauma that he sustained
3: well the emotional trauma is we always, always include that as part of our claim. And the reason we do that is because very often you see in um, any kind of dog bite case, you have a a person who's, in this case, a child who's not afraid of dogs, doesn't have that fear. Well, all of a sudden they get bit by a dog, they become apprehensive and they Mm -hmm. become fearful of dogs, especially if it's a a stranger's dog. Um, This child has a dog at home and it's, Surprisingly, he does not have the fear of dogs. He still will approach them. He still will will pet them and ask to pet them. He's just a little bit more cautious. And that's, you know, the parents really watched that to make sure they had lots of discussions with the pediatrician and the doctors just to make sure that there wasn't going to develop this fear. And he's he he really had done very well as it relates to that. But, in, you know, it doesn't happen in all cases, but it does happen in a lot of cases.
1: So interestingly, you, you came up with a strategy for uh, the litigation uh, in light of the fact that the dog was not owned by the grandmother, but was the friend's dog and, and the child was there. What was your strategy in the litigation in handling the case?
3: Well, there was a couple of aspects. The first thing we have to look at is the liability. Mm-hmm. And being in, in Rhode Island, we had to look at the Rhode Island law, dog bite laws. So the very first thing we had to prove in this case, and we'll, I, I think we'll, we'll talk about the specifics of the laws in a, in a minute, but we had to prove that this dog was not, in fact, owned by the grandmother and that this dog, in fact, did not live at the grandmother's home. That takes the The dog bite situation, the liability, and puts it into a uh, a strict liability situation, which means you own a dog, it bites somebody, you're responsible and so the case was not against the grandmother, the case was in fact against the dog owner mm-hmm. so and and because it was outside of the dog owner's home, it was in somebody else's property it makes that owner strictly liable. So then the next thing we had to do is look at developing the damages. So we hit the liability and then we look at the damages and how do we develop those damages to maximize the recovery for this child. Scar cases are always difficult. If you ask 10 different people what the value of a a scar is, you're going to get 10 different answers. So we always try and, and really put the best case forward. The first thing we did you know, scars take anywhere from six to nine months to what we call mature, mm-hmm. meaning they change over time. But at, at six to nine months, scars usually look how they're going to look um, for the rest of his life. And so, about about eight months in, we sent this child to a plastic surgeon who specializes in pediatric plastics. Mm-hmm. This, this plastic surgeon did an evaluation for us. She measured the scar. She described the scar. She also gave us an opinion on whether or not this child would be um, eligible or could find some improvement with a scar revision. Her opinion was maybe when he's older, he might be able to have a revision, but as he gets older, he it might even fade even more than what it looked like at that point. But the plastic surgeon is really key adjusters, insurance companies love to see plastic surgeon evaluations on scar cases because it makes it easy. The other thing we did is we sent the child to a professional photographer, and we had professional photographs taken of the scar. Mm -hmm. Um, This child, like I said, is adorable, and this photographer did a fantastic job taking all sorts of photographs of him. And we sent those to the insurance company. We invited them to come to a scar viewing, and they, in fact, said these photographs are great. We don't need to, and they, and that's where they they took the value and and you know evaluated the case and offered fair money. I mean, it was the the final settlement was not the first offer, but it's where we ended up getting it. Well, into.
1: for our audience, uh, the the source of the of the funds, the insurance carrier for the uh, owner of the dog, was that a homeowner's policy? Yes, it was. Okay, so. You you have the the injury. You developed a liability. You you found out there was some a source of, uh, uh, of funds to pay the claim, and uh, you developed the claim and presented it. Uh, and, and did you was there a uh, a settlement of the case prior to any litigation, or was it, or did this case actually go to trial?
3: We did not go to trial. We actually settled this case prior to even filing a lawsuit. Terrific. I'm very cautious on putting, um, especially minor cases into a, into a lawsuit situation that I think it's very stressful for a child to have to go through a, a deposition. And they certainly would want to depose him. And, you know, how do you, how do you depose a, a five or six year old? It's really hard. You know, and I find that to be very stressful for a child. Interesting. Interesting.
2: Um, Robin,
3: um, this case was stated that it was
2: a defensible case. And in addition, we know that Rhode Island has the one bite
3: rule. Can you explain what the one-bite rule is? Absolutely. Basically, what the one-bite rule is, the the law in Rhode Island says, when a person is bitten by a dog, strict liability attaches, unless the dog was within its enclosed area, its owner's enclosed area. What does that mean? That means if I live in Rhode Island, I own a dog, it's in my house, you come to visit, my dog bites you. The one bite rule is going to apply, and that means you have to prove that my dog has bit before. Mm-hmm. You get basically you get that one free bite of the apple, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> however, if my dog was in the park and you happen to come upon the dog, and the dog bit you, then it's strict liability, meaning you don't have to prove that it bit before.
1: Interesting, interesting. You know, the insurance company uh, settled this case. I understand, for $100,000. And, of course, that was, as you said, prior to litigation, prior to even filing a, a lawsuit. Did you expect that you'd get this amount for the family? Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the offers and demands and how that all went?
3: Well, we put a demand in, and, and we I, I, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I don't recall specifically what our demand is, but I think our demand was around a million. I believe our demand was about <laughs> two hundred thousand. Two hundred. Um, I, I just don't remember. I, mean, I handle so many of them, and yeah. and we go back and forth. And I think the first offer was forty, and then they went up to to sixty, and we just kept pushing. And, and you know, I I push and I keep arguing the facts. And actually, I held my photography, my photographs, um, the professional photographs that we had taken. I held them, and when I get to the point where we're close. And they still are kind of saying, well, you know, I don't really want to see I, I wanna I haven't seen the scar recently, then I throw it on them. And then they can go out and they can get their final numbers. But when they first evaluate a case, they're gonna I find anyway, they first evaluate the case, they come up with, you know, a range. And I wanna give them something else to increase to get out of that range. And so my strategy, one of my strategies was hold those photographs and then get those later. Um and it worked, and I think that the hundred thousand dollar was more than fair. I think that um, it was it was a good result for this child.
1: Did you have to go to mediation to do to accomplish this, or was this all done face to face or over the? You
3: know? It was all it was all done actually on the phone. Oh, we, you know, I called the adjuster every few days.
1: Okay, good. So there was a typical, it's kind of an old style settlement uh, conference kind of approach.
3: It was,
1: yes. Well, that's cool. So let's take a quick break right now and uh, be back in a minute with Robin Gouveia and talk a little bit more about the kind of fascinating area. And uh, with Brenda McGregor, my co-host. We'll be right back.
0: This is Ringler Radio from Ringler Associates, the leader in the structured settlements profession nationwide. Did you know that Ringler is involved in a third of all structured settlement cases in the country? Ringler Associates works with all the parties in a lawsuit settlement to find the best possible financial solution for the people involved. There's a Ringler Associate in all the major cities of the U.S. No one has more experience than a Ringler Associate. Check out our new website at www.ringlerassociates.com. For the best information for claimants, legal professionals, and claims personnel, and to find the Ringler Associate nearest you. When it's your interest at stake in a lawsuit settlement, you want only the best financial plan. You can count on Ringler Associates to structure a customized plan that meets the needs of you and your family for the future. Visit RinglerAssociates.com to learn more.
1: Well, welcome back to Ringler Radio. Glad you could join us. I'm joined by my co-host and colleague Brenda McGregor from our national sales office, and our special guest attorney Robin Gouveia from the firm Diolivera and Associates uh, in Massachusetts and Rhode Island. Robin, let's let's talk a little bit more about uh, the kind of the syndrome of dog the dog bite uh, area. We talked about. Especially when teenagers get uh, get bitten by dogs, perhaps there's a difference between the way you know girls or boys uh, are affected by that. And also when the children are uh, bitten by dogs, sometimes the parents can uh, get heavily involved in, in, in this and the emotional trauma really emanates from their fear about how their child's lives are going to end up. And, of course, there are other elements, too. Why don't you give us a little overview of that?
3: Absolutely. You know, we find that, uh, you know, a teenage girl who is bitten and has a scar, they almost become obsessed with what that scar looks like and what they're going to appear to their peers, Mm -hmm. you know, what it looks like to their peers and and how they're going to be perceived. You know, girls are so self-conscious that Mm -hmm. any kind of mark or disfigurement is is almost mind-blowing to them. They can't imagine, oh my God, what are my friends going to think? And they, they get very upset over it. And so the emotion for a female bitten by a dog is is certainly much greater than most of the boys that have scarring. Now, I'm not saying that boys don't have any emotion with scarring because they absolutely do. Um, but very often we see the boys who almost look at it like a badge of honor. Um, they're certainly, they, they, they sh- Know they need to be compensated for that scar. They know what happened, but it's almost a, a they they fluff it off a little bit. They don't have that self conscious attitude again. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm very generalizing here. There are many young boys sure. who have th- those those emotions. And I meet with my clients and I, I talk to them and I try and get a sense of which category do these particular clients fall into, um, and then I, I I work from there. Um, so girls and boys definitely have different attitudes towards scarring. Parents, on the other hand, have even a different attitude toward the scarring. Um, parents often we find have a lot of anger, a lot of anxiety, and a lot of hostility toward the dog owner, toward the dog because it's their child and they they fear what this child is going to go through in their life with either you know what the scar is going to look like how people are going to treat them how um you know if they need to have a scar revision in the future or you know just simply you know we own a dog my dog, my kid's going to be afraid my child's going to be afraid of this dog now from for the rest of his life or her life and so parents are a whole different ball game when we're dealing with them and and part of our job is to help them through that.
1: I can imagine if the dog owner was a neighbor for example, uh, it can create some tensions in the neighborhood.
3: It certainly does. It certainly does and and we we often hear, what can I do about getting this dog, you know, getting them to get rid of this dog? What can I do? Mm. And unfortunately, there's not a whole lot you can do. I always, re- you know, recommend that they contact the animal control officer of their town mm-hmm. and see what rights they might have um, as it relates to, you know, if the dog has a history of bites and things like that. But, you know, it's 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 a tough situation. It's a very very fine line when you have a neighbor who,
2: right.
3: even you might have been friends with, who's now their dog bites your your child. It really becomes yeah. comes a little hostile.
1: Well, that's that's terrific insight let's Let's talk uh, now about again back to the case that you settled uh, a significant amount of that settlement, my understanding is that it was placed in a structured settlement and tell us about that and your personal experience with structured settlements uh with some of your other clients
3: absolutely i find I very often recommend structures for my clients. I think structured settlements are a fabulous you know such way to way to put the money away. Mm-hmm. You know, my client is the is the minor. My client is... Um, my job is to protect my client, whether it's a minor or an adult. We've structured both adult cases and children's cases. Um, you know, I've seen over my career many clients who resist putting their money in a structure because they believe they can do better with their money, and they lose it. And they lose it very, very quickly. Yeah. So, I, I try and emphasize to clients when i'm t- when I'm dealing with them on settlements and recommending structured proposal you know structured settlements. I try and recommend to them the benefits of a structure, you know the tax benefits, the guarantee it it really is an amazing um, process. I think what people fear is they, they they look at a structure and think that the structure company is is part of the insurance company and I emphasize to them it's not this is a it's simply that the insurance company is funding your structure but these are independent companies, and they do a phenomenal job. Um, right now, I think they're probably getting better money than, than yeah. some of the, the some of the, the financial people.
1: Well, you know, that's a, that's a terrific testimonial for structures. Uh, and it's interesting how you talk about your clients who've dissipated their funds uh, very quickly. I, and I've often said, and we've all seen it, I've often said that it's not because people mismanage their money or they're being foolish with their money money just te- tends to go pretty quickly when you're when it's you know sitting in your bank account it just tends to get no spent question. and uh and Brenda I know you've done a lot of structures with clients like Robin uh and recommended a lot of structured settlements obviously for those same reasons
2: exactly Larry uh we've always benefited you know and pushed the time value of money for these people and and Robin how do you feel when it comes to a structured settlement for the young child as opposed to an adult. What are your thoughts on that?
3: With a young child, I would I urge the insurance adjuster to insist on a structure very often because it's so important. In Rhode Island, any settlement over $10,000 must be court approved. In order to get that improvement, the money has to go e- into either a trust account or into a structure. And it's so fast, it's efficient, it's clean, it's easy to, to, to get set up. Structures go all the way.
1: And it doesn't cost anything to administer either. It's,
3: it's Exactly. Right. It doesn't cost anything to administer, it doesn't cost anything to, to set it up really. I mean, the insurance company funds it, so it costs very little to set it up, if anything. In Massachusetts is a little bit different, it's a little bit more, um, you know, some cases require it, some cases don't, but require the court approval, I mean. Mm -hmm. You know, it's based on the insurance company, but Rhode Island, it has to be. And I got to tell you, when I'm often asked, why do I have to do it? And I explain, explain to them that when it's a child, the money is the child's money. It's not the parent's money. The parents often think, well, it's, you know, it's my kid. I can, I can buy him a new pair of shoes. I can do this. Well, certainly, yes, you can buy things that for their health, education, or welfare with, with any cash. However, this is the child's money. And we get disbursements, you can get disbursements to help fund for college, to help, there's so many ways you can go. You can get it all at 18, you can get it all at 30, you can spread it out over time. I just recently set one up for a different client and we set it up so that he gets a lump every year when he turns 18 and every year he gets this lump of cash and it's going to tie him over for 10 years And that's fantastic until he can get established in his career and he gets his degree. He was very happy and very pleased with that settlement. Um, You know, it's, again, if the money's put away, the parent can't get to it. And it's so important because when that child turns 18, if that money's not there, they have the right to sue the parent. Hmm. And so, yes, I'm protecting the child because it's the child's money. But in doing it, the parent is also protecting
1: themselves. Well, that's, those are... It's very sound uh, that's sound advice that you're giving to your clients for sure uh brenda do you do you happen to own a dog
2: i do larry
1: and and are you how how do it'd be interesting to to hear how you uh are you concerned about your dog and what it might do to to the the you know the uh public at large how do you, how do you protect your dog from doing that
2: Well, my dog is is typically in my fenced-in backyard or, or if we leave, he is on a leash. And there are times that I worry because I know my dog and I know how his reactions are. So I watch his reactions when we're with strangers mm-hmm. or even people we know, and when I see that he's not right, that he's acting a little nervous, I remove him from the situation so that nothing will happen. Well,
1: that's terrific, and, and when all else fails, you certainly have Robin's phone number, don't you? You can you can call
2: exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, Robin, let's close uh, here today. Uh, you know, I know we have a lot of dog lovers and a lot of dog owners out there. Uh, what tips do you have for for them? Uh, You know, I'm sure there are certain breeds of dogs that are a little bit more uh, prone to these biting incidents, uh, or maybe not, you can tell us, but I I think that uh, what tips do you have for owners to to help take the kinds of measures that will prevent them having to worry about uh, the kinds of things we're talking about today?
3: I, I think certainly what Brenda does is key. Know your dog, watch your dog be alert, be aware of the dog and its surroundings. I think that's very important. However, sometimes incidents happen and you, know, and you can't protect somebody from everything. I wish we could. So I think really emphatically, I would, I would say if you rent a home, if you own a home, get insurance because any kind of tenant's insurance, renter's insurance or homeowner's insurance will cover this type of an incident if you, as long as you disclose that you own a dog. Now, yes, there are certain dogs who are prone to dog bites who, you know, I, could I think of them right now? No, but there are certain dogs that some insurance companies will not insure. Mm-hmm. Um, so you need to check with your agent or, or with your insurance company as far as do, will they cover it? But if you own a dog, I think insurance is very important because if, if it falls within the strict liability sense of the, you know, area of the law, it means that if you own the dog and it bites somebody, you can be held personally responsible for that bite and the, and the damages relating to that bite. So it's really important to, to cover yourself.
1: Well, and I, I agree with you about insurance companies being very selective. I had trouble getting uh, insurance from my rabid uh, pit bull. That was a tough <laughs> tough thing for me to get. So <laughs> so let me, let me ask you one final question. If somebody sure. is uh, unfortunate enough to have their child or themselves even bitten by a dog, what steps should that individual take to, to protect them in the process? What, what, what are some of those first things?
3: I think the very first thing they should do is, is get medical treatment immediately. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing they should do is really call a personal injury attorney. In fact, call me. Mm-hmm. I, you know, the and Associates, it's all we do is personal injury. And much of that area is dog bites. Know your rights, learn your rights, and learn them early. Um, what I would do when somebody calls me with a dog bite, is the very first thing is we help to preserve any evidence that might exist. Mm-hmm. We help guide you through your recovery so that you can develop your damages in order to maximize the recovery that you're entitled to. Um, it's, it's just so important. Terrific.
1: Well, with that, let's, let's close. And, Robin, if someone wanted to get a hold of you or contact you about uh, dog bite cases or a specific case, how would they do that?
3: Uh, they can contact our. our or they can contact me on the web at good slash legal slash advice dot com, or they can contact me at area code four zero one three six five six zero zero one out of Rhode Island, or they can contact me in Massachusetts at area code five zero eight nine eight four eight
1: four zero zero. That's terrific. And Brenda, how would uh, someone get a hold of you?
3: I can be reached at six zero three.
2: 7191001 or via email at bnackgreger at ringlerassociates.com.
1: Well, that's terrific. And of course, all of you out there, you can reach any ringler associates at ringlerassociates.com all over the country. Uh, help put together structured settlements for uh, dog bite cases or any other type. Uh, We've been uh, doing it for quite a few years. And I encourage you to go to the website. It's got a lot of great information on it, uh, and I think you'll find it uh, pretty fascinating. It's been fairly recently redesigned. And, of course, you can reach uh, and hear all of the Ringler Radio shows by going to RinglerAssociates.com or RinglerRadio.com or LegalTalkNetwork.com, or you can even go to iTunes where you can download these shows. And listen to them at your leisure. And so with that, uh, I'll say, Robin, thank you very much for being our guest today.
3: Thank you. It was a pleasure.
1: And, uh, Brenda, thanks for being a great co-host.
2: Thanks for having me, Larry.
1: Uh, Terrific. And uh, for all the rest of you out there, go out and have a great day.
0: The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to Ringler Radio. Celebrating its 7th year on Legal Talk Network with over a million listeners. Ringler Associates, the first name in structured settlements. Visit ringlerassociates.com today.